Today on the Zabecast, an atomic bomb is about to hit the sport of college basketball with the pay-for-play scandal. If it does, what's the fallout and what emerges from the ashes? Andy Poland joins me. We talk many things, including LeVar Ball and his plan to make the family a package deal for the Lakers, whether they want it or not. If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Friday, February 16, 2018, on the verge of the All-Star Weekend in the NBA in L.A. and, of course, the Daytona 500. It's a nice weekend on the sports calendar. It is still the doldrums of February, but I do enjoy this weekend. And I would otherwise enjoy watching both events on Sunday, but as you probably know, and if you don't, you're going to know right now, I am going away for a week with my lovely wife and with... Ronnie Mervis of Mervis Diamonds, Diamond Importers in the greater Washington, D.C. area. He's the Diamond King of D.C., and he uh, is leading a trip, an excursion, through our radio station. And I am the tour leader to South Africa, to Cape Town, and into Kruger National Park Game Reserve, and we're going to go on safari. It's going to be a hell of a trip. It's a junket. I'll I'll admit that freely. It's, uh, It's another radio junket that I am, knock on wood, very blessed (laughs) <laughs> Very thankful. This is these are the sweet fruits of an otherwise messed up business being in in sports radio. But I'm glad to do it and very thankful to do it. And I will miss everyone back here for a week. If you have not caught up on previous Zabecasts, well, the next week will be a good week to do it because uh, I will not be producing new ones. Well, you could still if they got internet down there. You could. We we don't care about quality. I care about quality. I'm not just going to talk into a microphone for 30 minutes and upload it and go, oh, there you go. There's the Zabecast. Standards, baby. Standards. Let's start today with this Pete Thamel piece on SI.com about college basketball and the case the feds are building against a number of college basketball coaches and programs. A corruption case that is going to spread far and wide, according to Pete Thamel. The quotes from some of the people in the piece, maybe they're overhyped, maybe they're scare quotes, maybe they're dead-on accurate, maybe they're actually underselling how bad it could be. If you read the piece, and you should, it's very interesting, chilling, if you care about college basketball, maybe you'll like it, more on that in a second, then you're going to see quotes like, Hall of Fame coaches should be scared, and the the number two seed in the bracket, if this was all released before this year's tournament, then you might see UT Chattanooga as a two seed. That's how many programs this investigation is going to touch. They have massive amounts of evidence. They have wiretaps from some of the coaches that they pinched that covers all kinds of recruiting across the country. In other words, get your popcorn ready. One guy who's got his popcorn ready already is Mike Freeman of Bleacher Report. Mike Freeman tweeted yesterday, quote, I hope the NC2A is obliterated and burned into a pile of ashes like a vampire stepping into the sun. Obviously not a fan of the NCAA. Very few people are fans of the NCAA. I'm not a fan of the NCAA. I'm not an apologist. Some would say I am. I'm just... 
a defender of the fact that somebody has to run the sport. There has to be some central organizing body that lays down certain rules. But the objection Freeman has with the NC2A, as does others of his mindset, is that the players are getting a raw deal with their room, board, and scholarship as in exchange for them playing high-level sports, basketball and football in particular. No beef with the fact that a gymnast or a swimmer or a tennis player also gets free room, board, scholarship at some schools for a sport that produces no revenue. There's no complaint there. It's just Freeman and others believe that those who are playing the big revenue sports deserve to get paid. Okay, that's fine. That argument is being made all the time now. Jay Billis is firmly on that square as well. But here's what I don't get. So you're saying you hope the NCAA is obliterated. The NCAA set and tried to enforce rules against paying players, recruiting guidelines of this is what you can do, this is what you can't do, to try to at least deliver a somewhat level playing field for all of Division I athletics. That's what the NCAA tried to do. Now, do they get overly technical? And do you roll your eyes sometimes that really that's now a violation? Yes, of course. But that's all they're trying to do. So it turns out that schools were violating rules big time. Hand over fist, left and right, paying players, paying runners who pay players, and on down the line. So that's the NCAA's fault? Like, they were the ones that set the rules. Many schools broke the rules wantonly. And you want to say, well, I hope the NCAA is thrown into the sun and burned into a pile of ashes? Okay. Whatever. I don't get that way of thinking, but that's fine. What I wanted to say to Freeman, I didn't, because I wasn't going to start shit on Twitter. I don't care. I'm not here to argue with Mike Freeman. I'll, I'll use his material, and I'll rhetorically bat it around here on this space, but I'm not going to get into it on Twitter. I wanted to reply back, okay, then what? Of course, you really can't explain what your then what is in 140 characters, not even 280 characters. It's complicated then. So let's say this happens. All right. Let's say that they, the NCAA goes down in flames or gets launched into the sun like a vampire turning into ashes. Okay. Then what? What is next? You would have, I assume, a number of schools, let's call it half of Division One, that agree to pay their players in football and basketball, the two revenue sports, some amount of actual hard cash. Or, as Randy Moss would say, straight cash, homie. I don't have the straight cash, homie, bite. Okay, so let's say it cuts in half. At that point, I'm guessing that there's some programs and some schools that would opt out of it and say, no, we're not going to do this thing. We, we don't have the money. We, you know, Our revenue sports, they make revenue, but they cost a lot of revenue, and they don't support this, and we end up kind of losing money, and we're borrowing from student fees to keep the programs afloat. We're not going to start paying our left guard. We're not going to start paying our third, our, our reserve wingman in basketball. We're just not going to do it. Even if it's only ten grand in cash per semester, we're not doing it. We're going to go with what is considered traditional the traditional collegiate athletic model, that of one AA and Division two and Division three. Let's say it's half. I mean, that's just a rough number. If you want to pick two-thirds, fine. Let's say only a third of schools drop out. You are gouging out a huge chunk of schools that are not going to be in this new college pro league 
for lack of a better term. The College Pro League is going to exist, then the College Classic League is going to exist as well in football and basketball. And you don't know how those fault lines are going to break. Because let's say a school like Stanford says, you know what, we're out. We really respect our academic mission, our reputation. We're not going to get in the business of being in the College Pro League, so we're out. But let's say their neighbor to the east, Cal, says, oh, we're in. We can't wait to be in the College Pro League. Now what happens to the big game? The band is on the field. The band is on the field. I hope the alums of those schools don't mind that now suddenly I'd assume you can't play the big game because they're in two different leagues entirely, two different models entirely. And this could happen across the country with any number of rivalries that people have come to know and love in the college game. Also, what about TV ratings? I would imagine that the TV ratings would suffer a hit if you were to cut a third or a half of the usual schools that play college sports out of the picture. If the TV ratings plummet, let's say by a huge amount, 20, 25, 30%, then I hope there's enough money to pay for everyone. What if some of the networks say, instead of paying X for the college pro league to cover basketball or football, which is very expensive, we still we want to do the, co- the, the traditional college league. What am I calling it? There's the college pro league and then there's the traditional college league. We're going to go buy the traditional college league, put those games on TV, because we still get Stanford and Vanderbilt and Northwestern and some other schools, plus some other lesser schools that it's decent. It's something to watch. We're paying pennies on the dollar versus the college pro league, but it's working for us. That's going to siphon money away from the college pro league and what they can pay their players. My point is that if you were to go down this road, I think you would I think a lot of the pro pay the players people would be shocked at the rapid avalanche of unintended consequences that come from it. And I think there'd be an unraveling that would be very very quick. Also, the new college pro league is going to need a new front office. They're going to need a commissioner. They're going to need to suspend Schools and teams that cheat whatever the new rules on the college pro league are. They're going to need to suspend players in the new college pro league for rules violations, drug tests. They're going to have to enforce the new college pro contracts, the approved trades, administer free agency, and on and on and on. Whoa, whoa, Zabe. No one's talking about trades or contracts or free agency. Oh, we're not? Why not? Every pro league has those things. Once you pay players, you're a pro league. I'm paying you money to play basketball for Michigan. Therefore, we need a contract. You're going to stay for three years. We're going to pay you 10 grand as a freshman, 20 grand as a sophomore, 50 grand as a senior. There's bonuses along the way. If we make the tournament, bonuses if you make an All-American team, etc., etc. Why wouldn't there be contracts? Why wouldn't you be able to trade a guy? You're paying them. It's a pro league. No, that's not how it would work. You see, it'd be different. Okay, well, then you tell me how it would be different. So the new NC2A that arises in this now bifurcated college sports environment, half of the teams and schools in the traditional college model, the new half in the college pro league, there'll have to be a new NC2A, in essence, for the new 
uh, Pro League, and guess what, Mike Freeman and others? They will become the new bad guy because they will become then the league that doesn't pay the players enough or the league that doesn't care in football about the safety, the brain safety of the players and hides concussion research. It'll just be a new bad guy and the landscape of college athletics as we know it and love it, most of us, will be completely eviscerated. All right, like I said, I'm going to Africa next week. I will not be podcasting. I'm sorry. I will miss you guys. But I'll be back up and running a week from Monday because I really am enjoying this. I, I really, I'm not kidding when I say that. It's a lot of fun. Let's hope I come back without being devoured by lions or eaten by a shark. Good time to go catch up on all the back episodes. Right now, though, it's time for Andy Poland, everybody. All right, we are in Andy's basement today. Andy, I gotta say, I've never been down here. Really? I've only been to your house how many times now? A handful of times? Four or five. A couple of times you came, like on championship Sundays, and I think I paid for the Chinese, though you offered, which was awfully nice. But uh, wait, 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 wait! Is that now an old score we have to settle? No, no, no. Me I w- offering to pay for the Chinese and then stiffing you in no, it, no, like no, no, no. Andy, let me take no, care no, of no, this. No, 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 no. And then it comes time to pay, and you're like, no. "Ooh, my wallet. Where no. is it?" Here's here's the way this went down. Uh, as the last time I remember, I think it was when the Giants beat Brett Favre in, I guess, it was last game as a Packer. NFC Championship game. Yeah, when it was really cold. Yeah, it when, was bone-ass cold. Yes, yeah. so you've Tom, got a good memory. Yeah, I was here for that. Yeah, Tom Coughlin's face just about froze off. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I, as I recall, you said, I'd like to come over and watch the game with you and Arlene. I said, oh, that'd be great. And you said, I'll pay for the Chinese. And I said, no, your company is so worthwhile that I <laughs> would love to pay for the Chinese. And I think there was an issue, though, with Diet Coke. That I yes, had, you not, didn't have it, and I had to go out to the local gas station yeah, to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure Arlene found very insulting. No, it and probably insulting. blistered me as I left the no, house to go. No, get no, it. We, we just find that it's an odd thing that you <laughs> you can't consume food without Diet Coke, or I, at least couldn't then. It, well, it is a flaw of mine for sure. And Diet Pepsi, I don't. I'll go out of my way to get a Coke. Yeah. Because Diet Pepsi, I just hate. I really should not be drinking any of this. Right. And I told the story uh, on this ZabeCast earlier in the week about how the new line of Diet Coke commercials say, basically, because you can. Like, have a Diet Coke because you can. Mm-hmm. And my nutritionist and I, I believe I told you I have a yeah. nutritionist who is part therapist, Andy. Right, and you, and you, you she stuck said, with it a good three weeks, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but she, she, she uncovered one of the reasons why I eat the way I do is because... I said to her one day, she's like, well, why do you keep eating in these places? I'm like, well, because I got a car and money and I'm a grown adult and I can. She's like, well, that's the problem. You can't think like I can. You got to think about what's going to fuel your body right. for optimum health and energy and life. Exactly. So, yeah. So, anyway, so that's on the Diet Coke front. All right. So, before we get into our topics today, I mean, I got to say, Andy, there's some cool memorabilia down here, starting with a 27-inch Sanyo <laughs> tube television what are you doing holding on to this fucking relic <laughs> what why well i have the big 60 inch hd upstairs yeah uh really the only one who watches this tv is jeremy who's home really infrequently now that he lives in new york and uh, he just sort of sets up shop down here has his doritos bags and his gatorade and so wait your laptop. son jeremy when he comes home will actually watch games in 2018 right on a tube tv that's standard definition well, but he's not as discriminating as you are. He, he How can he not be? He's a sports fan. <laughs> well, I told you for a long time he's got it now, but when he lived in Boston, he didn't have cable. 
he would watch it on his laptop oh or go God. to a sports bar. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, the millennials are not as into it as, as, you, as you are. Oh, I know they're not as into it. In fact, I was reading a story about the NFL's ratings. Yeah. Which is actually uh, Mina Kimes for ESPN.com. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you? She's good. She wrote a long piece mm-hmm. about the ratings. Right. And I like the fact that unlike a lot of hot take artists, she basically said, well, no one's quite sure and it's complicated. Yeah. Which is a rare thing in journalism today, right? To right. say, no one quite knows, and it's complicated no matter what it is. Well, I, I read a long piece three, four months ago about this. And it's not even the millennials now. It's the generation behind. And yes. there are kids that are so much into their fantasy teams. They profiled one who lives in New York. He's 12 years old. That he won't even watch the 1 o'clock games unless he's got some of his players in it. Uh, he's invited sometimes to go to giant games by a friend. When he goes, he often stays on his phone for a good part of the game, checking on his fantasy players. Right. So he, they're, they're really the reason to watch live games now is diminishing more and more with each generation. Right. And, as they chop up the yeah. the, the product gets is getting diced. Right. Into. 30-second highlights, 7-second vines or clips that you just get fed on your newsfeed. But this story that Mina Kimes wrote about the ratings, she said, look, uh, she quoted a TV executive who said, looking at the age demographics, the 18 to 34s, he said, they're gone. He said, they are gone. He said, they don't watch TV. That's bad. They are gone, the 18 to 34s. That's bad. That is bad. So as that generation floods up through the ranks, mm-hmm. what's that going to mean for sports on TV? Well, it's, they're just going to have to package it differently and sell it differently. Because the, How about shorten the shit? Well, that, All of it. Uh, you know, everybody Quicker. gets, everybody, well, what's the matter with you? You can't sit through a football game? John Madden used to complain about it. Yeah, but people complain. Oh, you, gonna, you got something to do? Got somewhere to be? Yeah, come on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of it. You could shorten it up. And I think the highlight packages are going to be sold separately. I think that's what people want. Really? Yeah. Sold? Yeah, we're gonna have to pay for our no, highlights. No, but sponsored. I mean, I think that I think that people people who have fantasy teams don't need to see a whole game to know that their wide receiver scored a touchdown or their quarterback threw for four hundred yards. They, I they, guess so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I just think that with you know the way sports pace now, they've got to and baseball. They tried to put in a, yeah. a pitch clock and they failed, or at least they backed off of it. There was that threat. I would be for a pitch clock. Totally. I'd be for that. They also, this, I don't think it's it's serious, but there was some discussion of bringing back the bullpen car. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, because you could not only, you could not only, it'd be cool, number one. Number two, it would save 13 seconds, yeah. maybe. Right. And number three is you could sponsor it. Well, so there's yeah. money to be had. Well, that's well. already been done. When I was a kid, when I went to Senators games at RFK, they would bring the pitcher out in a red Corvette convertible sponsored by Sports Chevrolet. And, oh, and, really? And I said to my dad... But that's not a bullpen car. That's Well, I guess yeah, it is. Yeah. I was thinking about the helmet. Well, they have those too. The Mets had Parks, one. And, right. and as I did some research on this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I did something for WTOP on it. And the last team to use it, I think, was the Brewers in 1995. So it's been more than wow. 20 years since it was trotted out. The Mariners used to have a boat. 
Yes. <laughs> right, a boat on wheels. Yeah, yeah. Like, like a duck boat or exactly, something like that. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Well, see, they should do that. They should bring more fun back into the game. I yeah. don't know why. Also, I don't know why pitchers have to get warm-ups on the mound. Yeah, There's a bullpen right. that has a replica mound. Right. That's where you're supposed to be warming up. Right. And get in the game, start pitching. And they and they warm up early. I mean, they they, they get a guy up, right. and, and they'll get him up, you know, to get out of the inning. Okay, gets up the next inning. He should be ready to go. You're right. Yeah. By the way, I think this is our year in baseball, Andy. I don't want to jinx it. I think well, this is our year. My bold prediction. <laughs> my bold prediction for 2018 is the Caps win the Stanley Cups Cup and the uh, Nats win the World Series. Really? Yeah. Is that a genuine bold prediction or is that a hopeful, wishful well, prediction? If you're going to make a bold prediction, might as well make it bold. It should be bold. <laughs> don't make it. Tepid, That's what right? it is. Otherwise, it's a wimpy prediction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I made a mistake. I think last time we chatted, I said that we didn't have a single team make the final four since 92. That's, of course, not true. The Capitals made the conference yeah. finals, and they made the Stanley Cup finals. In 98. So, right. So the Caps have been to at least the final four twice mm-hmm. and the championship round once yeah. since 92. But that's it. Yeah. So it's been too long of a drought. We definitely need to, uh, to get better in that regard. Kirk Cousins talks. So, Andy, mm-hmm. here they come. Did you see Joe Thomas today reach out via Twitter to Kirk basically pitching him on Cleveland saying, come here, we'll build a statue if you make us good. Well, yeah, if you make us good. But they've been terrible for a long time. Is Joe Thomas definitely going to play if Kirk plays? It sounds like he's not retiring. He hasn't said he'd retire. He's yeah. getting up to that point where you got to wonder how many years does he have left. Right. The season was cut short by an injury. But, no, I assume he's going to play. Mm-hmm. And if, if he's a guy that is coming out publicly, sticking his neck out to try to lobby for a particular player, right? He's one of the elite left tackles in the league. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that carry a lot of weight as to what real football people think of Kirk Cousins? Well, yeah. I mean, it does carry a lot of weight. It's also, he's 29 years old, and he's totally free, or will be, as of March 16th, right? March, well, they got to tag him by the 6th. You think they're going to tag him? No. No, they're not going to tag no. him. No. Did not we gonna... not, did we talk yeah, about we, this yeah, last week? Yeah, they, I think they just trotted it out to see if some just team fuck with them, would come running. Yeah, yeah exactly. you know, they're not going to tag him. No, they're not going to tag him. So, yes, he'll be able to walk out the door and walk in somebody else's door. Yeah. So, Joe Thomas is lobbying. There's a lot of Jets lobbying. The Jets really want them. They've got a lot of cap space. Lock and Fora says Jets make the most sense. The most sense? Mm-hmm. Interesting. For Kirk yep. or for Kirk. the Jets? Kirk. And, okay. and the offensive coordinator has some kind of connection to okay. the Shanahan's or something like that. And Von Miller has been yeah. openly lobbying for the Broncos. Well, so that's probably where he's going to go. Denver. Denver. I've always thought. I, I said on the air, Andy, I said like Tim Russert, may he rest in peace, <laughs> yeah. with a dry erase board. Denver, Denver, Denver is yeah, what I've said be. all along on this. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got to be looking at a John Elway. And Elway has had this opportunity before. Yeah. And he cashed in with two Super Bowls and one Super Bowl championship. And he's been laying in the weeds. Look at what he's done with his quarterbacks. Well, I'm sure he's had an eye on this circumstance for a while. Right. And who does John Elway talk to often? Mike Shanahan, who still lives in Denver. Oh, yeah. I bet Shanahan's been yeah. in his ear the whole time. I, let me tell you, this guy, Kirk Cousins, is really good. Yeah. I, I, John, you want this guy. John, I, I want to tell you, I, I was smart enough to draft him. Danny yeah. didn't want him. But uh, he's going to be the guy. Well, got to get him. The most, the most haunting article I, I saw on that, and this is, I think we talked about that. This is what led me to my, uh, to my comparison to ordinary people, is when the story was that they were cleaning out Shanahan's office, and he's hanging out in the lobby with Bruce and Danny, and he said, if you want Robert to be your starter, you better trade Kirk because he's better. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. How about that? <laughs> Speaking of Kirk and the whole, the whole changing of the guard, you know, there's now this, I sense, a reselling of the idea of Alex Smith. Yeah. Not just being a good enough replacement, good enough Andy, but being an upgrade. Yeah. Like, now that this trade, which hasn't happened yet, but mm -hmm. it's been agreed to, has settled in and we've thought about it, there seems to be more and more people I'm seeing just, you know, on the internet, in my timeline, listening on the radio that are reselling it like, oh man, here we go. Can you believe we got this guy? <laughs> and I'm just thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> no one was saying this about Alex Smith a year ago. Nobody was like, we got to trade for this guy. He's going to be awesome. Uh, there was some guy, who's the guy that really loves the system that Jay Gruden runs? He writes for... Andy Benoit. Benoit. I think it was Benoit. Benoit at the Super Bowl, yeah, yes. Yeah, Benoit. So, I'd call him the Jay Whisperer. Yeah, but Benoit was on with Chad Dukes, if I can plug another radio sure station here. Can, <laughs> and he said... You know who you work for. And I know Chad myself personally, yeah. so it's fine. And he said, and, and, and after, and Chad didn't really challenge him on this, but after he was off, Chad was saying, did, did I really hear what I just heard? And, it, and Benoit's position was, Kirk is a guy who will throw it down the field. He'll throw it down the field. And Alex Smith plays it safe. I thought Kirk was a guy who was known as Check Down Charlie. Well, Alex was given that nickname, that derisive nickname yeah. of Check Down Charlie. Yeah, so I, I don't really know, you know, what a different... And, and didn't Jay Gruden say during the season that he'd like to see Kirk throw the ball down the field more often? Oh, yeah. And Kirk challenged him, saying, well, you want more interceptions then. You know, right, so, right, so right, right. I, you know, is, is, is halfway through the season, is this going to be, geez, I wish he'd, you know, chuck it down the field once in a while... Instead of, you know, these little dump-offs we're seeing it's all gonna the time. It's going to be interesting. It's, uh, you know, that's the, that's the good thing about it. We're not in the business of, well, let's just see how it turns out. Yeah. We're in the business of making bold proclamations. But I, I am very curious to see how it plays out if Kirk turns out to be really good yeah. with a team that's got a defense and a running game or not that good because he's out of Jay's system. And I want to see how good Alex Smith is because, God forbid, Smith crashes and Cousins thrives, yeah. then it's going to be hell to pay. Yeah, I remember with, uh, with the Oilers, they had Dan Pastorini, and they traded him for Ken Stabler, thinking that was going to be an upgrade. Now, Stabler's in the Hall of Fame, Pastorini's not. But team was pretty much the same. Didn't change that much. Yeah. So Alex Smith, a little older, you know, maybe a little bit more athletic, a little wiser. Is the team going to be any better than they were with Kirk the last two years? I don't I know. I have a hard time seeing it. All right, the runaway, runaway safety is back. Sua yeah. Cravens, yeah. a.k.a. Sua Crazy, reinstated, eligible to return. There's mixed signals from some of the players on the team mm -hmm. about whether or not they would welcome him back. Some guys have said, absolutely, if a brother of ours is going through some tough times, we're going to be there for him. Other guys are like, well, let's see that you really want it because they were confused as to how he could go through all of you know, off-season stuff, mm -hmm. all of training camp, win a starter's job, and at the last minute go, no, nah, I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe he was going through this post-concussion syndrome, syndrome stuff, but I, I have a hard time buying that. I also, though, don't think in this day and age that a guy who checked out one year can't check back in the next. In the old days, that might not have been the case. Oh, he let us down. Or, or a guy would come in from another team. There was a period of time with the Redskins, if you played for the Cowboys, you were hated. And, right. and so now I think, I think each year is so different from the next because of the way the rosters turn over. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal if he comes so back. So you'd be willing to give it a shot? Well, yeah, if, you were the, if you were the coaching staff, you'd say, let's give it a shot. Well, if, given the, the state of their defense, okay. wouldn't you? 
Well, every as Lovey likes to say all the time, the juice better be worth yeah. the squeezing. Well, he was a good so, player. Yeah, he was. But yeah. like, what if we walk down this road with him again? And second week of August, he says, you know what? My heart's not into it. Okay. Well, then you just cut him. Okay. But you're, you're, if you cut him now. So give it a shot. Yeah. Try it. I mean, yeah. Why, I mean, so, but did you feel this way about Hainsworth? Because I, I said at the time about Hainsworth, why yeah. are we making this fat tub do this conditioning drill? He doesn't want to be here. This is not worth the squeeze. Yeah. Well, and guys like Sheehan said, you're going to get a draft pick for him like they did for McNabb. They did get a draft yeah. pick for Hainsworth. <laughs> it was like a seventh, I yeah, believe. Yeah, whatever. Six or seventh. But from the Patriots, yeah, of all teams. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. And they you know, it's not like they never make mistakes. <laughs> they do every now and well, then. Yeah, but that was a low risk mistake. They kicked the tires and then they kicked him down to Tampa and then he was, right. then he was out of the league. Has he, has he unblocked you yet, by the way, Albert? Uh, no. No, no, I haven't seen any of it. But I, I don't. I don't think that's a comp. I don't think that's a comp. At okay, all. he was a terrible guy, terrible human being. Okay, but Sue Cravens is crazy. Oh, I did mean, you see the latest on Hainsworth, by the way? Uh, with his son, I heard something. What was it? Well, his son is a high school basketball player. Now, this is the son when Hainsworth was trying to land himself a job with the new coaching staff at Tennessee. He said, "Yeah, I, I can only work for you part time because I have my son. I have to look at my son, so I can work part time, but I'm willing to do that." Nobody called, of course. But his son was warming up for a high school game, and he and the son went in the hallway, and something took place, and it only took two officers to escort Hainsworth out of the building. Just two? Just two, yeah. What did they do? Drag some bacon on a string <laughs> in front of him? <laughs> here, Albert, Albert, Albert. Here, Albert. <laughs> yeah. Here's your conditioning test. Oh Can you God. walk out of the building with these two officers? Oh, my God. It just never ends. And you know there'll be more headlines to come. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to end. Well, Spe- I, I, it's going to be a holiday when he goes bankrupt. Okay. When, when he goes to bankruptcy court, it's a national holiday. <laughs> you'll you'll certainly celebrate. Speaking of troubled ex-NFLers, what about Johnny Football's comeback? Yeah, he now says he's bipolar. Okay, maybe that's the case. Uh, but he's hedging on Canada. They Don't they, Hamilton Tiger Cats or somebody, don't they Do want they him? want him? I think they got his rights yeah. and then relinquished his rights. He's going to be playing in this so-called Spring League, yeah. which nobody's ever heard of. It runs for exactly three weeks. Right. It's like Mackinac peaches. Mm-hmm. They're ripe for three weeks a year. It's a three-week right. league, and it's like a stage to go, okay, I can play a little football. Who wants to invite me to your proper camp come July? Right. It- Would you, if Johnny Manziel kills it mm-hmm. in the spring league, and you were desperate for a quarterback, would you bring him to camp? I wouldn't. Because? Because there's just too much, too much history there. And he's also, you know, not, not that guys don't run and don't guys don't have somewhat his style, but he came in on the tail end of the Kaepernick RG three run. You know when it yep. was thought that you had to have one of those guys. I don't think the upside is high enough where it's worth bringing him in. Somebody will though. Somebody will. You know. Remember the uh, remember the argument. You see, we he's had? saying somebody will, but nobody's touching Robert. I know because because I think with Robert, the circumstance is he can't be a backup. Like it, you don't want him around as a backup. Either he's your starter or he's not on your team. I think Manziel could be a backup, but I don't think that if, if I were the GM, I wouldn't bring him in. Somebody might take a look. What if Cleveland brought him back? <laughs> Manziel? Just took a look. Oh, for God's sakes. They're not jumping back into that one. Well, they don't have any, they don't have any quarterbacks right now. 
What do you know about bipolar disease? I don't. Or bipolar syndrome or I bipolarism? I don't know much about it at all. Neither do I. Yeah. But this, see, these are the things, though, that we as sports radio hosts mm-hmm. get thrust into. And it's like, well, did I stay at a Holiday Inn last night? Yeah. Because I've now got to talk about something that is way out of my league. Right. Like, what is bipolar? Who is? How come they didn't catch it earlier? Et cetera, et cetera, right, et cetera. Right. It's like when Mickey Mantle needed a new liver. Everybody became an expert on livers. And the donor system. Yeah. Like, how did he get to the yeah. front of the line? Yeah, right. Didn't he burn through one of them and he got a second one before no, he finally died? No, he, he got one and then it turned out he had cancer also. Oh, really? Okay. Died, yeah. yeah, I think there are some people, maybe me, that said... <laughs> how did he jump the line? Yeah. I, I honestly, I think I said... <laughs> Here's poor Mrs. Lipschitz waiting for a new liver. <laughs> I think I said, and I, I'm just paraphrasing what I recall, why are we giving this fucking drunk a liver? He ruined his own one. <laughs> yeah, well, he did. And I'll leave out the fucking there, but yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I, I guess they don't discriminate on that. Yeah. It's hard to get a liver, apparently. Oh, yeah. Well, my brother-in-law used to be on one of those teams, and he would get a call... What in, teams? In the teams that would transplant livers. Oh and really? He, yeah, and he, well, he what was, does his brother do? He well, my, he's a surgeon now in, okay. in Baltimore. But when he was doing his residency, I think it was in Los Angeles, he would get a call in the middle of the night, and he would say that, and they would tell him, "Okay, uh, there's a car that's going to pick you up, and you'll have a liver and a cooler, and then you're <laughs> going to get on a plane with the liver and the cooler, and you're going to fly to Arizona or wherever it is." And and it was his job. It was another team was to put in the new liver, but he was the extractor. He was on the extractor team. Oh my god! Take out the old liver and then did did he actually carve a liver out of a dead person? No, it was a live person who was getting a new liver. No, but when he got oh no no the liver was already donated. It was already pre-carved. It was pre-carved. In other words, the car it was like a a chicken that had been cooked from the supermarket. No, it's in a it's in a plastic tub. The car that would pick him up already had the liver. Okay, you said you said he had to extract the liver from the person that he was flying to that they were going to implant the liver that he was bringing along. Oh, as a surgeon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a surgeon. So he, he was a surgeon who brought his own new liver. Right, but he did. He did <laughs> I'm here with the liver to install. But he, he didn't. He didn't implant it. He extracted the old one. And oh, really? Yeah. See, now I'm bogged down on this. I want to really get the details <laughs> on it. So, you, so your so your brother would pick brother up a law. fresh liver. Yeah, but they, from in, that's in a cooler. Yeah. That had been harvested from an auto accident victim exactly. or someone like that, a, exactly. an organ donor. Exactly. So he'd get the liver, the fresh one, mm-hmm. the good one, mm-hmm. in a cooler, get on a plane, fly to a city, yep. and then he would do the surgery to extract the old bad liver, right. and then he would tag team another yep. doctor who would install the fresh yeah. one. And you didn't okay, have a lot of time. There we go. It was like a NASCAR pit stop. Right, you know, because you know, livers are only viable on ice for so long. Yeah, I mean, right? the, the guy that puts on the tires isn't the same one that cleans off the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, your liver's good. Yeah. yeah it's a, you know, it's a miracle that we can do transplants. I, when I think about that, I, I'm blown away. Yeah, well... I, we can hook up new organs from somebody else and get them to work. When I was a kid, I remember hearing about Dr. DeBakey and the heart transplant. And that was an inconceivable thing. And I think Dr. The, DeBakey? He was the famous heart transplant surgeon in South really? Africa. He's the first to do it. Do you remember the first uh, bionic heart? No. Wasn't that... Didn't somebody come up with the first bionic heart that was not real? Maybe so. I don't well, know. Maybe it was a pacemaker or something like that. Speaking okay. of bionic, did you see there was, in the Players' Tribune some former wide receiver for the uh, Browns lost most of his hand? In an ATV accident. Yeah, he's got, got a bionic hand. Though. Yeah, I mean, that that sucks. ATVs are dangerous yeah. as fuck. What is the... How about the Olympian that was paralyzed? Yeah. Amy Van Dyken. Yeah. 
Amy Van Dyken, paralyzed on an ATV. Olympic swimmer, right? Yeah, I don't think I'm ever getting on an ATV. I'm mm-hmm. soft. Okay, uh, Lonzo Ball and his latest <laughs> proclamation that he wants his kids, <laughs> wants his kids to all be on the Lakers, and that if the Lakers don't make it happen, he's gonna tell, he's gonna make sure his son, the one good NBA son, yeah. Lonzo, will never play. In, in the, well, he'll leave the Lakers. He'll go somewhere else. Like, this is a threat, actually. Well, it's, at some point, Magic is going to say, Enough. Uh, LeVar, sit down. Right. Okay? Either you stop this, or we're <laughs> taking Lonzo, who, by the way, nobody has confused with Michael Jordan just yet, and we're going to ship him out to Phoenix. Okay? Yeah. So, so stop. Just right. stop. At some point, they'll do that, but they still think enough of the kid... Lonzo, that they don't, they want to hang on to him, or at least get value because well, he's he was second the second pick. overall pick yeah, in the draft. So second overall pick, and and so far the kid seems to be handling the father's Michigas. Right? The kid, yeah, the kid seems to just write it all off. Yeah. Now, here's what I wanted to plumb your brain about: is that there have been instances in sports mm-hmm. where the less talented brother has been a ride along, sort of a forced. Yeah, you got to take him with it. Well, there's there's one in the Nats organization, Bryce Harper's brother. There's a pitcher who's eh, really yeah. I didn't know. Oh that. yeah, he's questionable. Okay. Um, the Braves at one time in their organization, I don't know how long he was up with the big club, but but there was a brother named Tommy Aaron that went along with Hank Aaron. Oh really? Tommy Aaron maybe hit a dozen home runs okay. during his career. I think Brett Lindros yeah. was the lesser of the two Lindros right. to Eric Lindros. The uh, Red Sox in the '60s had a great home run hitter named Tony Canigliaro. Right. And his brother Billy was on the team. Really? Uh, how many? Speaking years? of Billy's, what about Billy Ripken? Yeah. How many? How many years did Billy Ripken get to live off being Cal's brother? And was that? I don't recall if Billy was that marginal of a major league. No, he was. He was. I mean, he was probably. It helped that Dad was the manager. Yeah. yeah. And brother Cal was the iconic, but son of Baltimore. But when when the father got fired seven games into his second season, I believe. Yeah. Uh, they kept Billy around. Billy and Billy came back. He played like. For Cleveland or something, and he came back. But yeah, there's there's a lot of that. that goes Great on. dude, funny as shit. I was so lucky at yeah. the Cal Ripken fantasy camp to be around Billy Ripken because he just cracked everybody. Yeah, up. he's good on TV, right? and he was good on TV. He's good on TV now. Local news here, only for those of us who live in the DC area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hank Deedle's bar burned to the ground in yeah. Rockville. What do you know about Hank Deedle's bar? You know, I was never in there, but my... <laughs> it's an enti- old dive. Yeah, my entire life I passed by it, and I really, I didn't have anything to compare it to until I moved to Texas, where they have those all over the place. Right, this was like a bar attached to a gas station. Yeah, at one time, it, it opened in 1916. It's It was the, I was reading the paper, it was the first bar in the state of Maryland to get a liquor license after Prohibition. It's really? Li- its liquor license was zero, zero, one. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's pretty good. So, yeah. So, it had that, but um, it, it was a place, you know, remember that, that sales guy we had who we couldn't stand named Roland Parker? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fat Roland. He yeah. thought he could outrace you yeah. in a foot race. Right, and he did, actually. <laughs> but, <laughs> to your eternal shame. But but uh, Roland Parker's going away party was there. Really? Yeah. That's the kind of place that Roland Parker would go. You know, the funny thing is, bars like that, and I was never in there but i saw it bars like that are all over the place in wisconsin where my wisconsin listeners are right now little grungy hole in the wall standalone cement block 
one window, right? If that, it's like just co- it's freezing cold. It's winter. It's been winter for five months. Come on in, see some friends, have a smoke, get drunk, and call it a day. Yeah, San Antonio, they were all over the place. Uh, when we I'm, don't have these here in no, DC no. though. We are so suburbanized. Oh, right. In, in Dallas, now it was in a strip mall, so it really wasn't like a standalone like that was. But there was a place called Joe Miller's, and the three years, two and a half years, I was in Dallas. It was an unusual place in that you would go in there and there would be media people and sometimes athletes would drop by too. Really? Yeah. And huh. there was no food. There was just red skin peanuts, you know, and a bowl of peanuts and beer in a can. You probably could buy a mixed drink, but nothing really fancy. And that was it. And, uh, and that's what this, this, the only food they served there was potato chips at Tank Deedles. <laughs> And uh, that's our food. And they also, Can I see your menu? Yes, <laughs> potato chips. Yeah. And they that's also it. had bands that would perform there on the weekends. But they're gonna—they're not gonna rebuild it, are they? Now they said on the news that the structure was in pretty good shape, but I think the <laughs> land is the so structure. valuable now that if they yeah. if they decide to rebuild on it, it would it'll be track townhomes yeah. at seven fifty and up. Exactly. If not, yeah. all right. Olympics in the last five minutes here. I know you're a huge Winter Olympics fan, Andy. You watch it all the time. Well, I'm I have kidding. I have one connection. I told you this. Maybe not uh, on the women's U.S. women's hockey team. Yeah. Her name is Haley Skorupa. And she a Rockville girl? Yes. When when Jeremy was growing up, one of his really good friends was Dylan Skarupa. Okay. And they played soccer and baseball together until about middle school. Dylan was a really good athlete, but his favorite sport was hockey. And hmm. he was really good in hockey. And he was one of those kids that was on those travel teams, you know. Right, 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 play. right. Jeremy never played hockey, but he, he went off. And and uh, his sister, she used to tag along to the games. You'd see her running around, you know, little, oh, cute little girl, look what she's doing. And then she started going to the hockey games with him. She got interested in hockey. She started to play. They played together on the same team in high school. And uh, and then she went off to BC and became a star there. And now she's in the Olympics. So that's it is cool. it is cool when there are local yeah. athletes, no matter where you live, that are in the Olympics. I think every little local community, you know, wants to claim a part of that. Mm-hmm. The Olympics still has that cachet, that magic to it, even though it is a complete shakedown of countries and cities oh. for infrastructure that. Instantly goes to seed. And so much corruption. Oh, and, total and, corruption. Yeah, I mean, it's just awful. Yeah. But some of the events are pretty cool. And uh, for a few weeks in the middle of the winter, it's Why all not? right. Yeah. And you don't ski either. So. I have. I've skied twice. Oh, you have? Yeah. And what would you think? I'm not a big... I like water skiing. I don't really enjoy snow skiing. Okay. I'm too dangerous. Didn't you go on a station trip snow I did. skiing? I what? did. I went with John Myers. And John Why Myers, was I not on that trip? Because you, once again, you probably said you were going and then bailed out at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. You're probably right about that, though. <laughs> but I went with John Myers, and he knew what he was doing. And he, Johnny Myers. He helped me up. But Great sales guy. I, I, I've, I've John skied. Myers, the greatest sales guy we ever had at the station? He's up there, right? John Myers, Barbara O'Grady. Oh, yeah. They were, um, they were who stars. Else, who else would be in the top three? Um, who, These uh, are people you don't know. Yeah, it it's really just matter. Andy and I reminiscing. But, but he, uh, he knew how to ski. But here's the thing. The first time I skied was 1975. And the well, the ski- technology came along exactly. way since The then. skis were very, very long. Yes. And, and uh, that scared the hell out of me. When, last time I went, the skis were the shorter, skis are shorter. And, and easier to maneuver. Yeah, and they're, and they're shaped. They've got cutouts. So they're wider at the tips and wider at the right. back. Not so much that you really notice it, but enough that it makes turning a lot easier. Right, right. Yeah. But I think, I think skiing is on the decline, numbers-wise. Really? I do. I, I think, I, just, I don't know, people aren't doing it as much. Mm-hmm. 
The Wi-Fi is bad on the mountain. Or something like that. Is it as bad as golf? Uh, I'd say it's maybe similar. Golf is actually stabilized. Hey, Tiger Woods is playing again, Andy. Yeah, I know. know. Although today, on Thursday, as we tape this, he started out birdie, double bogey, bogey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his ball got swallowed by a gum tree. Yeah, and he had to go back to the tee box. He's also talking trash pretty easily, you know, like for a guy that's not done anything in yeah, the comeback. Yeah. Oh, you, what are you? How are you going to rack your other players? Hey, it's winning time. It's winning <laughs> time. <laughs> when was your last win? Exactly? Yeah, yeah, right. All right. So if Tiger's in contention this yes. Sunday, yes, I watch. You're there. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Andy's back, everybody. Yeah, I, this is hopeful news. Andy is back as a casual golf fan. I, I'm a Tiger thanks fan. Thanks to Eldrick, Tiger Woods. Although, I will watch the Masters. And yes. And I'll watch the end of, of some of the majors. But but yeah. the, the draw of Tiger on Sunday uh, was was pretty consistent when he was playing. I mean, I don't... Oh, it was the greatest yeah, thing going. It was, yeah. it was dynamic because he was just better than everybody. And he was always going to win. And you knew that, but you wanted to see how he was going to do it. The in-your-life moment... Oh my it, God. Is one, it, I don't I don't love golf as much as I do other sports, but I it's, it's hard to forget seeing that live. That's that's unbelievable. Because it was such a dramatic trick shot oh. at such a dramatic moment, and it had one of the greatest television announcers yes. in sports history, and yes. Uncle Vern Lundquist, right. with just the right touch in your life, right. and then lays out for the mayhem to ensue on sixteen. Right. I mean that that's because he is. He was so iconic at that moment. He was the biggest star in sports when that happened. Exactly right. Yeah. In, in a sport that people now look at as, eh. Shut your mouth. You know, <laughs> I thought we were going to end on a good note, and Andy badmouths my beloved game on the way out the door. But I, I got some golf balls to give you. I'm cleaning out my house. See those on the shelf? Those are yours. Uh, let's see. Pinnacle, pinnacle, I think top think there's a Titleist. Yeah, those, those are junk golf well, balls. Well, you just use them as range balls. Okay, I, I will use them as range Andy does have a piece of sports kitchikana that I really want to try to make a run at. An <laughs> ABC Sports banner, a silk banner that was obviously an event banner that was hanging on some tower, I'm guessing. Monday Night Football. It's the Monday. It doesn't say Monday Night Football. No, but that it? was for when I was at the Astrodome, I'm, I think 1978. It might have been the game that Howard Cosell said was the greatest Monday Night game ever. The Earl Campbell Love You Blue game. You know what? That, that banner might have hung on the railing down by the field level. Probably. Because they would put those there sometimes. Yeah. And you got that what year? 78. So I was, 78. I was leaving the locker room, and it was just sitting on the ground. Stand up next to it. I want to get a photo. And uh, I don't want to mess yeah, up the microphone. Up the yeah. yeah. All right. You'll have to switch places. Okay. Yeah. You just hold that. Right. Don't touch any buttons there, Andy. All right. There. This is going to be good. Okay. And then you point to it because that that is awesome. I mean, I, you know, you can't get one of these. No. And that's a genuine piece of sports Akana. Yeah. So what are you going to do with it as you move? Andy is moving. Yeah. Downsizing. Yeah. Middle age downsizing. That's right. Kids are, you, are, are you going? Your kids are at, Are you going to have a, a man cave somewhere at the new place? I'll have something. I may have an office that could go in, but I, I like this space. Yeah. Take a cool. lot of money to part with it. What game again? Monday Night Football. I think it's the game that that against the Dolphins, 1978. Earl Campbell ran for over 200 yards in that game, and Howard Cosell. I said when he left in 85 or something, 84, that was the greatest Monday night game ever. All right. I'm posting this photo with the Zabe.com post of this Zabe cast, and I will give a good bounty, a nice treat, a giveaway, a hat, a shirt, something. If anyone can find a photograph on the Internet from that specific game, 
So Andy can then have sort of a photo proof of this was a genuine thing. Not that I don't believe you, but it adds to the value of the collectible if you have that. Yeah, because I, I don't, I don't know what what other event I would have gone to that I would have been in, had access to it. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. That the only thing cooler would be an actual mustard yellow jacket yeah, from one yeah. of the Monday Night <laughs> yeah. Football. Well, that guys. wasn't something like Dandy Don was just going to leave on the ground <laughs> with the banner that was left on the ground. <laughs> All right, Andy, your new season of Andy Poland's DC podcast. Yes is out, and you have Mel Kuyper Jr. How did that go? It went very well. Uh, we went through Mel's entire life, you know, how he started out as a kid putting out these draft guides, and Ernie Accorsi, you know, said you should sell these. You should right. make it. So he mimeographed them on his ba- in the basement of his father's nice. house and all that. And then The story uh, of I am Mel Kuyper yeah, we from went start th- to finish. Yeah, we went through the Bill Tobin thing where all who right, the hell cool. is Mel Kuyper. It was fun. A lot of fun. All right, I'm going to go listen to that. you got to take that call. Listen to Andy Poland's DC podcast. Download wherever. Go ahead, take the call, Andy. Listen Hello. to wherever podcasts are sold Hi. and distributed. All right, I'll end on this this week. It has been a shitty week for sports radio, and I'm not talking just the thinness of topics and stories. It's more importantly, of course, the horror and the evil of the real world that we live in. What I do for money is a joke. It should be illegal. I talk sports. I have fun. I goof around. It's not hard in any sense of the word, in any real sense, that is. But it can be hard in a relative sense when there is another school shooting like the one we had this week, something that completely devastates and rips apart a community and leaves dozens and dozens and hundreds of hundreds of grieving families whose world will never be the same. It's that those times in which, believe me, the last thing I want to do or anyone in my business wants to do is to, you know, jerk around about the latest Shaq versus Barkley feud on TNT. But as they say, the show must go on. And as many people have emailed me, they say, thank God, because you are our mental relief from the insanity and the cruelty and the utter heartbreak of the real world. And so for that, if I was able to do it this week, then I've done my job. But it was not really that fun. And I was not really that into it. Of course, I have plenty of thoughts about what happened and what could be done, maybe what should be done, but I'm not going to offer them here because I don't see the point of it. I don't see the use of it. I'm not here to argue with anybody, and my thoughts on it are not fully vetted, researched, considered, you know, tested against other hypotheses. It's just my own basic thoughts. And it will surely, whatever my thoughts are, they will surely rub somebody the wrong wage the wrong way i know this though the digital age is producing more monsters monsters with evil minds and broken souls who are detached from humanity back in an analog age even the weirdos that were young people and the loners at least they had a small circle of friends Because think about it, back in the analog age, other than sitting at home in your room listening to Pink Floyd albums on your record player, what else was there to do? Now, some of these children, some of whom are on the spectrum, but their parents may not know it, I think that was the case in Sandy Hook, kids who have their brains a bit miswired, kids who have not been loved, kids who feel cut out from fitting in with other peers, what do they do now in the digital age? They go to their computer and they fill their minds with unbelievable poisonous fantasies. And everything starts to work against them from having any genuine human feelings towards others. 
and they gorge on YouTube and social media and chat rooms and all the other things. It's a whole different world to them. They don't have to interface with real people, and they lose touch with reality and and true human suffering and empathy. Real people are being replaced by avatars on a platform somewhere, and we're getting stories pushed to us by the algorithm to make you angry and me angry. Because guess what? Angry web users, research has shown, are active web users. Click, click, click. Hate, hate, hate. Argue, argue, argue. Money, money, money for the big tech companies. And sadly, there's no putting that genie back in the bottle. It's why I said if if I'm ever the first to invent time travel, I'm going back to the early 90s, and I'm going to strangle baby internet in his crib. And the world may not know it, but they will thank me in the long run. Now, of course, there were school shootings and mass shootings before the internet. I'm not pretending there weren't. But I don't think it's any great stretch to think that we are breeding more and more of these broken monsters. And copycats beget copycats. And the everyday conflict we consume on our small screens, our phones, our tablets, our computers, it's poisoning everyone's soul. We rove around on the internet as virtual gangs attacking other gangs. Arr, you're wrong. Shut up. You suck. Your guy sucks. Your guy sucks. It's an attack society now. All day. Every day. Attack. 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 Speaking of attack, another potentially deadly school attack was thwarted just 24 hours prior to the Valentine's Day shooting in Florida. It was in Everett, Washington. You've probably heard about it. Maybe not. It's not getting quite as much play as I think it should have. But the grandmother of an 18-year-old kid found out that he was planning to attack his high school. He found his writings in his journal, and uh, apparently after the police raid, they found a rifle and some other stuff. Said the kid in his journal, I need to make this count. I've been reviewing many mass shootings and bombings and attempted bombings, and I'm learning from past shooters and bombers' mistakes. Man. I was alive in 1985 as a teenager. You may have been alive as well. Guess what? I was thinking back to then. Who was I pissed off at on a regular basis on a Tuesday, a random Tuesday in 1985? I don't know. Maybe a teacher. Maybe a friend. But that's about it. I wasn't angry at the world. How could you be? Why would you be? What would you be angry about? And yet today, all we're doing is getting angry at each other all over the place. I've got friends who are smart, educated. They've got families. They've got jobs. And guess what? They spend a decent part of their day, if not a good chunk, being angrier than hell online, on Facebook, on Twitter, you name it. And they're doing it at people they don't know. And they're arguing complex issues that do not have easy solutions, no matter what side you are on. Man. If this is how they are, my peers, adults, people with jobs and families, if that's how they are, God, what must it be like to be a teenager right now? Hmm. I know, I sound like John Lennon right now. And maybe it's me beginning, me getting just a bit old, but I'm starting to actually tell some of these adult friends in absolute blunt terms, Stop posting your shit online. Stop this political nonsense. Just stop it. You're not changing anyone's minds. All you're doing is making yourself matter. You're compromising your own quality of life. 
You're going to end friendships because of this. You're going to perhaps shut off potential job opportunities because people are going to go read what you put on there. You're poisoning your life. This is a complicated, evil, modern problem that is going to be tough to tackle. I would just say beware anybody, right or left, who wants to sell you a simple solution because it doesn't exist. Godspeed to Parkland. God help us as a society. Angels 5, Red Sox 3. All right, thank you for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends, tell your priest, leave a positive review, harangue people on the water cool, at the water cooler to listen. Don't get angry at them, like I said, but just gently harangue them. You've got to listen to this thing. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, and more. i got to go get my rhino repellent packed. We will see you next time.